Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Season five begins. Nice. The season of the audience this is going to be a good one. Oh, this is not yeah. a forgotten gem. Today we are doing Mike Field's favorite movie. No, that's incorrect. How do you let some guy talk to you like that? That's yeah. You never once did I smile. Never once did I laugh. While I watched this movie with a, my mouth agape, I could actually feel my soul leave my body. Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. As you may know already, each episode we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. But this season, we're not picking the movies. You, the audience, have selected all our films. We're going to discuss what we love, like, or maybe don't like about your movie, but we thank you for sharing your passion for the film. And as always, we recommend that everyone revisits the movie we're talking about this week. You never know, you could discover your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to let everyone know by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. This is going to be a good one, because oh, this is not yeah. a forgotten gem. Today we are doing Mike Field's favorite movie. No, that's incorrect. Mystery Men. Incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> so, Tell us why you love Mystery Men so much. Uh, I will proceed for the next 45 to 55 minutes explaining to you why I don't love Mystery Men. Now, listen, I, I know that we've talked about before that I really enjoy this season because it's movies that we wouldn't necessarily pick. So while... I didn't choose this movie. Um, I'm perfectly okay. White re- well, I was tough to rewatch it, but I'm perfectly okay <laughs> to talk about it and go through it with you, of course, uh, Mr. Butler. But this movie was suggested or was chosen by um, another podcast called the Countdown Podcast or the Countdown po- uh, Movie and Television Reviews. So you can find them on Twitter uh, at the Countdown PC. I'm going to read you their Twitter ex- uh, description, and then I'll, I'll actually. I'm going to read that first. So hosts Paul and Wayne each week rip into each other while providing down to earth movie reviews and counting down film lists. They're part of CC radio. Uh, They're actually located in Perth, Australia. So a little uh, international flair today. I like it. Um, You can find them obviously on iTunes and Apple podcasts. I'll just real quickly read their description on Apple Podcasts uh, in case you didn't catch it before. The Countdown is a weekly comedic podcast in which two massive film buffs count down a topic in order of awesomeness from 10 to one while picking apart the other's list. So, if you like people fighting, I'm sure uh, you if you're listening to us, because that's what's about to happen. So now that I have just basically told you who suggested it, why don't we hear from them on why they wanted us to do Mystery Men? Take it away, guys. Hello, Mikes. This is Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. And just wanted to drop by today to say thank you so much for choosing a film which I suggested to you for today's episode. That, of course, being Mystery Men. Now, this is a film that no one talks about, which is basically the reason why I thought it might be fun for, for you to revisit it as part of Forgotten Cinema. It's one that I have very fond memories of from well, the very late 90s, 1999 and the early 2000s. I would have watched it three or four times from memory because I just found it so damn funny. Like I didn't really know at that particular point in my life that subverting superhero tropes was going to be something that I enjoyed, but boy, did I ever. Very, very funny. Yes, juvenile humor at times. And yes, it plays very much with its tongue in cheek throughout, but this is a film which is, I find anyway, incredibly hilarious with some really memorable lines. In my, on our show, 
Wayne and I still will refer to the line from Wes Studi that, you know, we are number one, all others are number two or lower. And then there's Ben Stiller's Mr. Furious. Arguably for me, Ben Stiller's never been better, as, as sad as that is to say, because I know he's been in some great films. And then the supporting cast beyond him is, is pretty damn great too. Some really inventive, different characters from William H. Macy as the shoveler. So all he does is hit people with his shovel. He's a construction worker who hits people with his shovel. Paul Rubens is a spleen who's flatulence. I mean, I know you talked about all this or you're going to talk about all this. So yeah. And even, you know, Jeffrey Rush just chewing the scenery is Casanova Frankenstein. I think he's just an amazing actor. And when he's on, he is on. So look, I'm sure you're going to break this down in, in great detail. I don't want to steal any of your thunder, but I just want to say thank you again for choosing this one for me to listen to. I'm really looking forward to this episode and keep doing what you're doing. It's a fantastic show. Really enjoy it. Thanks so much, Mike's. My name again, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews. You can find us if you type that in to Google. Cheers, guys. Good points. Good points. Yeah, good stuff. Good, good stuff. We don't know what you said, but it's good stuff. I'm sure Field doesn't agree with it. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> and that- now let's find out why. <laughs> you check them out. They suggested this movie and we, uh, of course, I believe you chose this, right? When we went through the list. Oh, yeah. 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 You, you certainly did not choose that. I did not. So we are going to do Mystery Men. So let's get right to it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I guess I'll just give the brief synopsis. <laughs> Man, I'm really not looking forward to this. Champion City already has a superhero, the appropriately named Captain Amazing, played by Greg Kinnear. But that doesn't deter the city's seven quirky amateur crime fighters who use the captain's capture at the hands of villain Casanova Frankenstein played by Academy Award winner Jeffrey Rush, as motivation to prove themselves. The only problem is that their strange powers, silverware hurling, bowling, shovel skills, incompetent invisibility, and deadly flatulence aren't doing them any favors. (sighs) So Mystery Man came out on Friday, (laughs) August 6, 1999. It has a runtime of 121 minutes, rated PG-13, a production budget of $68 million. It's opening weekend, it did $10 million. Domestic 29 and worldwide 33. A flop. That should have been your first indication. But not in our hearts. Oh, man. Not in our hearts. It's produced by Goler Productions and Dark Horse Entertainment, distributed by Universal Pictures. Um, So it was, uh, it's directed by Kinka Usher. And he has done nothing else except Volvo shorts. I will, uh, you know what? I'm going to jump right into this. Quote. I'm going back to commercials when this is done. I've had enough. I'd much rather do my little one minute shorts that I make than deal with all this nonsense. <laughs> End quote. I couldn't agree more. Mr. When did Usher. he give that quote? Does it have like when he? Gave uh, that but quote? I don't know. I don't know if it's from him, but, but um, it might have been. There's a, I have a couple of things here where people talk about what happened on the set. And that might have been just one of the stories. But he I think he probably it was probably after, you know, I think he was heard saying it on set. I believe that was what it was. It was on set. Written by Neil Cuthbert. He wrote Adventures of Pluto Nash. Another winner. Oh, my God. Return of the Swamp Thing and Hocus Pocus. So that's that's okay. Cinematography by Stephen H. Burham. He is an Academy Award nominee for Hoffa. He's done The Outsiders, Body Double, The Untouchables, and The Shadow, a season two episode. The first season. That's um, right. Yep. uh, For us. Um, (laughs) And he's got it. And I just listed those four movies. He's got a ton of other awesome credits. So. I don't know why he did this movie. <laughs> Composer Stephen Warbeck. He's an Academy Award winner for Shakespeare in Love. He's also did Billy Elliot, Quills, and Proof. Um, Quills is another Jeffrey Rush. Well, so is Shakespeare in Love, which is probably That's why. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, editor, uh, edited by Conrad Buff. He is an Academy Award winner for Titanic. 
He also did Terminator 2, The Abyss, and 13 Days. Uh, he's done mostly James Cameron movies as well. 13 Days is awesome, by the way. Produced by Lawrence Gordon, Lloyd Levin, and Mike Richardson. They have a plethora of production cut credits. Um, Rocketeer, The Diehards, uh, Field of Dreams, Watchmen, United 93, Hellboy, Polar, The Legend of Tarzan, The Mask. Those are not, they didn't all do all of them, but you know, I didn't want to list who did what. So they're all, those are a lot of the movies under those three guys. So this movie stars Ben Stiller as Mr. Furious. Uh, you know him from Tropic Thunder, of course, Zoolander. Hank Azaria as the Blue Raja. Um, you know him from Simpsons, I'm sure, because he's like 20, how many years? He's, oh, 30? Simpsons are 30 years, 30 I years, believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also, Brock Myers is an awesome TV show, which I haven't, I've, I haven't watched the last two seasons, but um, if you haven't caught Brock Myers, it's pretty good. He's also in The Birdcage. William H. Macy as the Shoveler, or Shoveler, or whatever. He was nominated for Academy Award for his role in Fargo. Magnolia, he's known for Shameless on TV uh, and Boogie Nights. Jeanine Garofalo as the bowler or baby bowler, as uh, Eddie Izzard calls her in the movie. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer, Reality Bites. And if you were here listening last week, Clay Pigeons. That's right. Paul Rubens uh, is a spleen. We all know Paul Rubens is Pee Wee, uh, Pee Wee Herman, right? That's right. He's also the voice of the navigator in Flight of the Navigator. No, not the navigator, the ship in Flight of the Navigator. Oh, really? You didn't know that? I did not know that. Oh, yeah, he's the voice. Yeah. That's awesome. Kel Mitchell as the Invisible Boy from Keenan and Kel and Good Burger. You all probably know Keenan from SNL. Uh, Greg Kinnear, not Kel, his partner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Greg Kinnear is Captain Amazing, as I said. He was nominated for Academy Award for As Good As It Gets. He's also in the remake of Sabrina, Little Miss Sunshine, Nurse Betty, Jeffrey Rush. Oh, well, you missed Ghost Town, which is another episode I, we did. I apologize. Season three, season three se- episode one. Yes. He was, no, season four, episode one. Oh, my bad. You're a bigger yeah. FC fan than me. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so check that one out. Uh, Jeffrey Rush is Casanova Frankenstein. He actually won an Academy Award for Shine, as I said before. King's Speech, Shakespeare in Love, and he's he's what's he what's his name in the Pirates movies? Barbosa. Barbosa. Okay. Uh, Eddie Izzard has Tony P. Ocean's Thirteen, Across the Universe, and he was in that TV show, The Riches, with Minnie Driver. And he's fantastic and Hannibal. Correct. West Studi or Study? I'm not sure. Is a Sphinx? Oh. It's from The Last Mohegans, Deep Rising, Heat. Lena Olin is in this movie for a hot minute. She's the doctor that releases oh, yeah? him, uh, Dr. Annabelle Leak. Uh, she was nominated for Academy Award for Enemies, a love story, but she's also in that new Hunters TV show. She's in Alias, which the first three seasons of Alias are fantastic, and then the second two stink. <laughs> Claire Forlani, she has returned. This is 99, so this might be the movie she did after Meet Joe Black, if nice. you remember us. Okay. We did Meet Joe Black. That's right. Also season four. Season four, uh, episode two, I believe. She's also in Mallrats and more recently Five Feet Apart. Tom Waits as Doc Heller. Um, shortcut seven psychopaths, not a not a fave of mine. He was nominated for an Oscar for a song for one from the heart. And then Ricky Jay as Vic Weems. He's he's not even in the stat that much either. He's in the beginning. He plays Amazing's uh, publicist yeah. or or yeah, I think it's his publicist. He's in Boogie Nights, man. He's a big time magician. I think he's passed away, actually. Uh, he's in Boogie Nights and Magnolia. And then Michael Bay is in this movie. I thought he yes. was in there. I have a note it was yeah. like, is that Michael yeah, Bay? Yeah, he plays one of the frat boys. I'm just my my credit, my note here is why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this movie, like I said, came out on uh, August 6th, Friday. So the same day you had. Now, we I don't know if we have mentioned this before, but I think it's relatively known in, I guess, movie aficionado, movie fan circles. That 99 is probably the last greatest year of movies. Yes. So there are a lot of great films in 99. The week that this came out. This is not one of them. The week that this came (laughs) out, you had the Thomas Crown Affair, but you also had the Sixth Sense. So immediately it got blown. The Sixth Sense killed everything that week. The week before, so you had a, we had Wednesday openings, but then you had the, so the Wednesday was the third of August. You had the Iron Giant and Dick, 
with uh, Michelle Williams yep. and Christian Dunst, both really good. Iron Giant's fantastic. And Nick is very funny. And But then that, that 30th, the July 30th, which is the full week before this movie, you had Runaway Bride, Deep Blue Sea, which is kind of like, you know, I don't mind Deep Blue Sea. The Blair Witch <laughs> Project, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And then you had an unlimited release, Twin Falls, Idaho, which is by the Polish Brothers. Did you ever see that one? I know of it, but I don't think I ever saw it's, it. It's, um, it's probably their... Trying to remember the movie after it. It's probably one of their more mainstream movies, but it's definitely an indie, and mm-hmm. it's definitely different. But I enjoyed it. Uh, and then the week after the Mystery Man came out, so August thirteenth, you had Bowfinger, which is very funny. Bowfinger's great. Detroit Rock City and Broke Down Palace. Now, remember last week, or was it the week before? Yes, last week we were talking about Vince Vaughn. And Joaquin Phoenix were in that movie, Return to Paradise. And yes. I was like, oh, that's like a similar to this other movie that came out with Claire Danes. That's Broke Down Palace. Uh, nice. <laughs> so anyways, so there's probably about one, two, three, four, five, six or six movies right there that I would tell you that are very good in that in that span. Just of, within of that three, like two weeks. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So. Even if Mystery Men was not as bad as I think it was, and it was just kind of like. Okay. It was always gonna. It was. It was gonna. Life. It was gonna have a tough time breaking through there. Now, do you know why there were Wednesday Wednesday releases the week before? In the no, in summer, probably in, just to get these movies the end out. Of summer, yeah. Well, it's August, time. so you have you know you're trying to squeeze everything in. Plus, you everything kind of like you want a summer release. I know we've done that in the theater toward the end of August. Like, hey, let's get these in right before school starts. But to do it that early in August is uh, unusual. At least for again, I, I came into the theater way way later, so yeah. maybe that's why. Well, Wednesday's releases were. I don't know. I don't know if they are as prevalent now back then. And I hate Wednesday releases when we did it because it messes up the schedule. But mm-hmm. I think they had a lot more Wednesday releases back then than I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they have them. All right. Now, why do you like this movie? Like, I'm just gonna ask you. <laughs> like, I, I, I absolutely. Before we get started. And you say it in the beginning. I absolutely respect the fact that this was chosen. And I understand people liking this movie. And that is fine. But in terms of me and you, why do you like this movie? Well, first of all, did you mention that it's based on a comic book? Uh, I did not. I figured we'd get to that. Okay. I know it is. Uh, I don't care. That's not an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's not one of the reasons. I I've never read the comic book. Uh, I mean, when I was in 1999 and I, I saw this, I don't think I saw this in theaters, but I think I saw this right when it came out. I was 12. So that's not an excuse, man. You watched it again. It's it's all fart jokes and stuff. I did watch it again. And I didn't like it as much this time. It sucks, but I shouldn't say that. That's terrible. It stinks. <laughs> it's not. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. There are still some good parts to it. I like Hank Azaria playing the blue Raja and I like how he does the accent. I like his, his character moments with his mom. I like William H. Macy's just straight up. No nonsense betrayal. I like his speech about the egg salad. Which is basically taken from Shakespeare. It's not original. Let's put it that way. But it's fine. That's fine. That doesn't mean nobody else. You know that that's done before. But go ahead. Uh, I don't like Ben Stiller in this film. Yeah, that's my. That's one of my big things. But like, I, I, to we your point about that, yeah. To your point about William H Macy and Hank Azaria, I have him, both of them, and Janine Garofalo, all three that I don't. Yes. I like in this movie. I like Janine Garofalo a lot. I like the guy who plays the Sphinx. Uh, I don't he's he's a little you, you don't really get a good sense of his character because he's uh, you know for some reason you don't know which way he's going right yeah for some reason I remembered this that he bails on them at some point that's what and I, had I remembered, yeah. and maybe just when he was like let's run away that kind of thing um, 
I yeah. So you mentioned Stiller, and I, I here's my problem, and it's just the choice of it's it's not him personally because I like Ben Stiller as right. as an so actor. I, he's yeah. funny and stuff, and he's good. I just in this movie, he you're setting him up as the lead. And you want me to root for him. And I cannot root for him because it's very annoying when all I hear is him telling me how his rage is mounting. Like, I don't find it something where like, I don't, I know it's, it's funny, but if he's the main guy, it's not funny for him. If he's a, if he's like in, uh, like in Inside Out, Mm -hmm. the movie Inside Out, the anger guy that's played by Lewis Black, anger, angry, he's not the main character. So all his stuff is funny because he's not, he's a supporting character. You're not following him. Right. The emotion is not. Yeah. You have taken that guy and you have put him as this is the main guy in this movie. And I don't want to root for him. And yeah. it's, it's annoying. It's, it's super annoying to the point where like, I don't care when he, when he gets angry at the end, I don't get any, any fights. He's just a jerk. He's just he a jerk. Is. And he doesn't know where his character is. And he's sad and angry at the same time. His character doesn't really have an arc. I don't believe his love story with Claire Forlani. Oh, they shoved that in there. Like she has wants nothing to do with him, and rightly so at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, she's like, "Oh, all right, mm-hmm. let's you could walk me home." Yeah, it, and then it, all that of a sudden, she sh- falls in love. That's shoved in there just so that Casanova can have her at the end, and he can have his stupid fight. Like I believe in his relationship with the bowler a, a lot more because mm-hmm. he spars off the bowler. They have similar personalities, and and she challenges him, whereas no one else challenges him in the entire thing. They're just really okay with his bad shitty attitude it's just like yeah yeah well i mean if you the end when you talk about the egg salad sandwich uh when he's when william h macy the shoveler is having that speech he's he's the leader and right they kind of have that in there and you kind of can sense that but it's never it's almost like the audience can see that but nobody in the movie realizes that they he's the shovelers yeah yeah the guy in charge um and i for those who don't know ben stiller had a Ben Stiller first came out of the scene with the Ben Stiller show. Was it, it was a Fox show, right? It was on Fox. Yep. And that was like his big thing. That was his big moment. And Gene Garofalo was on that show. So they have already a chemistry there. Right. And, you know, and she's they obviously start together. Well, he, even though they didn't have scenes together, they were in reality bites, um, but they kind of came up together. So that makes sense that their back and forth works mm-hmm. because they're familiar with each other. They're also both comedians. Yeah. So I think that that helps a little bit. More. Oh, of course. Of course. But but they're in a different movie. All of these people are in different movies. I think that's my biggest thing. Like there's so many places I can go. So so <laughs> many, so many different ways I can go here. One of the things, one of my notes when I was watching it was that, man, this feels like Batman forever. Like it just looks like Batman Forever. If it, and like yeah. that's not and that's not a good note. I'm just like God. This is like, it's like I, Batman Forever is terrible. And uh, Batman, Batman for, and Robin, Batman is, and Robin is worse. But Batman Forever is not good. I think you should rewatch Batman Forever. No, it's not. It's not that bad. You want to tell me the Riddler stuff's good? Sure. You want to tell me the Two Face stuff is good? No, Two Face stuff. Is no, not because good. the two because Two Face is doing the Riddler. Yeah. And then you know, sorry, it doesn't work. Regardless of that. <laughs> But it makes sense then when I look through the notes and that they use sets from Batman Forever during in this movie. I so they, they reuse plus, yeah. the sets. So I'm just like, that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. I don't I, understand what they were going with. I, I kind of understand what they were going with with the fake city and making it part Chinese, part yeah, America. That's probably from the comic, right? I'm sure it is. And it's something a lot of comics do. But you you also purposely say that it's set it's set in 1999 it's set when they're doing it because they talk about the new millennia and stuff like that i would have gone and said it's the future yeah because your set makes no sense 
the world you're establishing makes no sense at all to me. Like Captain Amazing has all these patches that because he's being sponsored. Right. And one of them is Pepsi, but it's in Chinese. And he throws a yuan, um, he throws a yuan in there or yuan or however you say it, a Chinese coin oh, in the uh, donation yeah, yeah. bucket, too. Yeah. So it's like well, clearly it's like an amalgamation of American well, China. That's the thing. When he when they're at the diner and Furious pulls out, I got one hundred fifty dollars right here. And these two like paper looks oh, like yeah, Canadian bills. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. That's not explained. And and you probably should explain it because you have created this other world. Like you don't have any kind of um, narration. Tell me it's in an alternate world universe. Yeah. Or just put that it's the future. Mention it's the future. Or mm-hmm. if they just never mentioned it was the present, I was I would also have been okay with that. Yeah, right. But they, they clearly mentioned that it's the present. Well, speaking of the comic, one of the notes I have is that the, the Captain Amazing was made up. Because I guess the original guy was Carrot Man or Carrot Boy. Oh, I can see why they want to yeah. do that. Well, Furious, Mr. Furious and Shoveler are the only two characters that made it from the comic to the movie. Nice. Yeah. So I'm going to just go through some of the stuff that I have down here about just the making of the movie. So according to Hank Azaria, when I guess in interviews, he said the cast argued constantly over the tone of the film, like how what the comedic tone of the movie was. That's not good. If you don't know like what you're trying and you have a lot of and at 99. So Stiller, Garofalo, Mace, you got a lot of you have a lot of big time stars in this movie. Right. But you have a first time director and his only time directing a movie. And clearly you don't have any kind of I bet you it was just kind of like, let's just have fun. Let's do this. Let's do that. And there was no almost like no captain on the ship. And it feels like that. It feels like it's all over the place. It feels like there's just funny scenes. To be funny, mm-hmm. they have the the final fight scene at the end is long. It's almost like what forty five minutes. The whole it's 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 a giant chunk of the movie. Yeah. So his comment makes sense about them arguing. I also have here that at one point, Stiller and Kinnear got into a huge fight on set, and after that, Stiller wanted to be released from the film. He tried to get himself off the film. Ben Stiller. Yeah, and nice. it didn't work. So there something. I mean, it just when I read those two things. I wasn't I wasn't nodding my head like, yeah, that's right. But I was just like, that makes sense because this movie feels like just, hey, we did something. Here it is. Hopefully it hits. It doesn't feel like any serious consideration went into just how it would be received. They just thought, you know, I, I wonder if like the execs watched it and they were just like, oh, we just uh, let's put it out. Let's get it out. and Let's move on. Yep. This is because I understand that the, when it all put, comes together in terms of. Like at one point, DeVito, Danny DeVito was going to direct this movie and he was going to uh, be in it. I, I, I'd actually, the movie probably would have been better if Danny DeVito. Like it doesn't make it. any sense how Kinga Usher, the first time director, comes in and does and is doing this big time movie. $68 million in 99 is, is a big a budget big movie. movie. Yeah. With, With all a lot of actors, big stars. Yeah. Right. Like, it's tough to wrangle. Exactly. So right from the start, it probably was, it's problematic to begin with in terms of controlling everything. And, and what you have on screen, I think you, you, you feel that absolutely and then the fact that you're saying each person had their own ideas about the comedy works with like everybody's in their own movie yes like paul rubin's character who i i, I like spleen he's funny he's definitely in his own even more cartoonish version of a film than ben stiller's furious than the blue raja they're all in different movies and kel is definitely in a nickelodeon uh, all that show they're yeah. all they're all doing their own thing mm-hmm. and they never really explain the superhero nature of everybody where they got their powers well, yeah the stuff with the powers and, and well, stuff like they that paul spleen they explain how he got his powers right uh janine garofalo obviously bowler they explain her powers which is just the bowling ball 
the bowling ball is possessed by her father. That's yeah, she it. herself that, has that's no it. powers. Her her stuff with Spleen is funny when he's trying to kiss you. She's like, nope, nope. Sorry, Spleen. Sorry, there's just not. Fear in the <laughs> but she says it like so apologetic. Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> um. So I guess, I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm going to nitpick the movie even more. <laughs> One of my one of my notes here is that everything happens in one night. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning we had the nursing home, then you had the parole hearing where he goes, Captain Amazing goes to quote unquote release Casanova Frankenstein, and I'll get back to that. Uh, then the diner scene, then when he goes home to see his wife, like it's all in one night. It's like this is a long night, and then you do it again at the end of the movie where after Furious leaves the group. And he's like, I'm out of here. Screw you guys. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the diner and he has that conversation with Monica. And she's like, oh, maybe you should just go back. And then he decides to go back. He goes back. Then they go to attack Casanova and they accidentally kill Amazing. They go back to Waits in the at his lair to, to kind of regroup when he does the egg salad sandwich speech. Mm-hmm. They say goodbye to their loved ones. Then they go to the junkyard to build the machine car. Then they have the final attack in the movie. That's all one night. Are you sure it's all? I'm one night? positive. It seem like one no, night. it's all one night. When Ben Stiller's in the diner, he's, um, it's daytime. Yeah. Well, because he leaves the group in the daytime. Yes. Then he goes to the diner. He walks her home, and mm-hmm. then from then on, that's the same night. It's the same night. You don't believe me? I I just don't know. I just it is. It's the same night. Well, no, because. Yeah, he leaves during the day. Then they go get the weapons during that same day. Yeah. Yes. So. That, that's all one it's day. I can even days. go further. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's day into night. It's 24 hours. Uh, is it not three nights? When did they go to save Captain Amazing? That's that a night. night scene too. That same night that they. No, there's one night where they go. The first time when they first go because he sees Captain Amazing being kidnapped. Right. He sees him go there. So they go there and then they get beat up and they leave. Yes. That that's then they go. That's and the, the end of one night. Then the disco boys meet them. And then the Sphinx shows up and the Sphinx trains them. They have the huge montage where the Sphinx trains them. So then, and yes. No, in between that, Ben Stiller goes to work though, before the disco boys come get him. No, no, Ben Stiller the goes Disco to, boys come to kill him after the limo no, scene. No, no, no. Ben Stiller goes to work to junk the car. That old lady the yelling, old lady junker, yelled, junk yeah. it, junk it, junk it. He hears that Lance is missing. Okay. He, then he goes. Then he goes to the thing. Okay. Then they go to rescue him. But that's that's before I'm talking about. I'm talking about starting from Furious leaving the group saying this is ridiculous. I'm out of here. From that point on, it's all one night until the end of the movie. Right. Okay. that's a lot of stuff for one night. So I just was like, are you kidding me? Maybe their nights are 14, 15, 16, 18 hours long. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But it's just it's it's stuff like that, that. It's. There's really just no we who cares eh, who cares whatever whatever it's it's it, it people like it because it's funny people like it because it is the parole hearing scene so amazing's plan is to release Casanova yes because he wants to have a he wants to be like he wants a new supervillain yeah he wants a new supervillain to have it to get more endorsements and to get more fame okay right so then Casanova his first night he blows up the asylum and then amazing goes there and he's just gonna so amazing's plan is to go there one night it took he's gonna bring him in. Uh, in front of nobody, and he's gonna bring it in, and he's so he's not gonna extend out the whole their fight. I was wondering that too. I was like, wait, don't you want to wait for him to build his master plan? That's, right, that's, and you you wanted a big fight, and you could argue that he's an idiot, that Amazing's an idiot, or he's just you know an egotistical dude. See, I think he's egotistical, but I don't think he's an idiot because he knows all of Frankenstein's traps and he knows how to work the machine. He's so cocky, I think he's, yeah. He's cocky and he's an ass, but 
That's the thing is like I think Amazing is more interesting than any of the other characters in the entire. I movie. think his costume sucks. His it's, costume is overblown. It's very '90s superhero. Right. Oh it's, yeah, it's very yeah. you know bat nipple kind of, uh, of, a, <laughs> of a thing. And and, and uh, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. Maybe that's the per- the point is they're making fun of of superhero movies and making Absolutely, fun of, yeah. and that's fine. Um, I I I think because nothing else works for me that I just. I view that as a negative now. I think you view everything as a negative. I do. I think you are I, there's like not, destroying this movie. No, but I told you what I liked. You, I told you the the, <laughs> the characters that I liked. I told you that. I just I like the disco boys. I like the I like the way they look. I like the disco boys when they're dancing and they're fight. I, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the, disco's not dead. <laughs> I enjoy the PMS Avenger. And <laughs> she, you know, I can only work four. What did she say? I can I can only work three weeks out of I the can month. Only work four days out four of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. 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 You got a problem with that? No. No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. PMS Avenger. I only work four days a month. Is there a problem with that? No. 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 Whatever you say. We'll, we'll get back to you. Thank I you so much. No. Whatever. There's things I enjoy, but on on the whole, I'm I like like the skunk humping scene. The skunk humping scene is my. I put that as my least favorite scene in the entire film. It's just. So stupid. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's not funny. It's yeah. I was just like, we get it. He smells bad. Come on. Yeah. That's the, this just jokes just enough already enough. And a lot of the jokes are like that fall flat. Like the joke when furious comes back to the group and he's like, Hey man, I lost my address book. It's like denim. It's got a cat on it. Now, as soon as he started that, I was just like, Oh, please stop. Please end this. It, it, I, I also don't like that. They don't hint enough that his, his rage is actually a superpower because it just seems like he's an ass. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously an ass the whole time, but then at that scene where he talks about the address book, he goes, William H. Macy goes, I saw you lift a city bus once over your head. Yeah. But we all believe it's real. It's like, no, we don't. Cause you didn't tell us that before. And then he, and he tells that. Yeah, exactly. And then, so, so it is a superpower. Okay. But then he lies about it. Then he talks about it when he's like losing his, when she's tells him to just be, just be Roy. I'm just Roy. I'm just Roy. Yeah, that, exactly. It's like, well, we just were told that you lifted a city bus, so you're not just Roy. It, yeah. Now we're now we're two different characters. And even in that scene, when he goes back to when he goes back to the group and Blue Mage Macy's, he's trying to apologize. Right. And he's like rage growing, and and, and he can't apologize, and because he, yeah. he can't even do that. And William, why don't you just come with us? And and he's like rage subside. It's like, oh fuck you, man. It, it's just, oh god, it's so annoying. And again, it. And again, it might be annoying because he's perceived as the lead in this movie. He's, you know, and absolutely. There, there, there needs to be less on him. If he didn't have yes. the Claire Forlani subplot, and there was maybe another scene with William H Macy and his wife, that would be better. Now you, William H Macy's the main character, and we're all right. There's more. There's or at least more they're heart. It. There's more heart and emotion in William H Macy's plight as somebody who's been doing it for years, for 15, 16 years, and his wife trying to tell him to stop, and but. My one problem with that is the scene where she puts her hands on his on his on his face and they're like they're having the conversation. Yeah. The extreme close-ups they use completely cut undercut the emotion the emotion of that scene. Right. And it's it's off-putting. It's clearly for comedic effect. And you're that's not the scene. And again, that's somebody who doesn't understand that. That's just that's and then they do and then they start having the extreme close-ups. When when Stiller's getting mad, and then, then I hated the extreme close-ups after that. I was like, "This is I don't want this anymore." And maybe that's because they were trying to match frames in comics or something like that. But it seemed very Ben Stiller showy. 
actually. It did. Very, very much that kind of comedy you would get in like these weird skit shows like Adult Swim has all the time and stuff like that of just really just go for it, man. Mm-hmm. Like Tim and Eric, like the, that wonky zany comedy that's so out there mm-hmm. that doesn't work for most people and doesn't work for you, clearly. Oh, it also, it also doesn't work for me. Uh, and I think that's not something you put in like a mainstream audience film where you're putting that out there for, you know, millions of people to see. What's great about Mystery Men is I think he learned Ben Stiller probably learned a lot of his lessons in working with an ensemble going into Tropic Thunder because Tropic Thunder is kind of the same thing. But I've always but felt better. But I've always felt that Stiller is a much better director. Like he, he not, I shouldn't say much better director. Stiller is a very good director. Right. Not better or worse than his acting. He's a really good director. And a lot of his movies are dark. And they're funny, like Cable Guy. Yeah. Uh, so I actually enjoy Ben Still as a director a lot. And I think that's also what helps Tropic Thunder. But because uh, okay, he, he directed it. And maybe he, you know, I don't know. We Maybe he did some of that here. Maybe he was trying to uh, do some control here. I think that's maybe why I think if Danny DeVito did direct this, it would have been better because you would have gotten more of that death, the smoochy kind of vibe. True. That darker vibe. And it would have really solidified what the what the theme of the comedy would be. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, like we all, we just keep saying that every superhero has their own idea of what the movie was going to be, right? And it, it didn't end up. They don't match. Like yeah, yet. they don't fit. And and for those who don't know, Devito directed Death and Smoochie, as Mike said. He also did War of the Roses, uh, Kathleen Turner, uh, Michael Douglas uh, divorce. I guess it's not a. It's a comedy, dark comedy. It's, it's really, dark, it's, it's really he's, funny. A lot of his stuff is like yeah. a dark comedy. But he, you know, really I, I agree. He would have. He would have been a good choice. I, I think with all these people and a first time director, I think you already had a recipe and let's be honest, the script's not the strongest thing ever. And that, that's to say maybe they made a lot of changes to it because you just had one writer, but I doubt there was just one writer. I'm sure somebody, they were kind of picking and choosing from that constantly. Right. So I kind of feel bad for, you know, Kinga Usher, because when we talk about first time directors, you know, we talk about like for season four, we did Constantine. We talked about Francis Lawrence and that was his first time directing a feature as well. And I feel like he only really had, Keanu Reeves as as his sure his one thing. And I feel like Keanu Reeves is a famously easy to work with and a nice guy and stuff like that. And you don't have to wrangle as many voices in one thing. You don't have an ensemble. You don't have it's most scenes are Keanu Reeves in a room with maybe two characters. You know, yeah, Whereas this you guy's know. got like eight different. They've got eight different people. Well, you also have stronger source material for Constantine in terms of the script. And this guy, Lawrence has done a ton of music videos beforehand. So he'd already worked with yeah, talent and, even if it wasn't right. Actors. And and did clearly didn't derail his career because he did I Am Legend two years later. So no know. no Francis Lawrence has yeah. gone on to do a whole Absolutely. bunch of stuff. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I, if Kinka Usher had more support from his cast, maybe. Maybe it would have been better. Or if he didn't have so many personalities. I mean you talk about Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo, William H. Macy, but even like Paul Rubens is famous as Pee Wee Herman at that point. That mm-hmm. makes him nervous. And you got Hank Azaria is a ton of work at that point as well. Even if he's not maybe a huge name, he's mm-hmm. he's probably pretty big in the industry in, ter- in general. Well, I th- it feels like everyone shows up and about a week and a half, two weeks into the movie, everyone's probably just like, what have I done? What am I doing here? And and you couldn't get out of it now. And it probably looked great on paper. It was a great idea. It's, oh, my, look how many people we got into this movie. <laughs> you know, it, this can't this can't not fail. And it did. Now, this is kind of more like a a film thing. But did you notice when now this is streaming on stars. This is this is how I watched it. I imagine this is uh, that's how I watched well. it as well. Yep. Uh there's the scene where Casanova's having his dinner where we where we meet Michael Bay's uh frat <laughs> Could bring our brewskis. <laughs> yes, you may bring your brewskis. That's not his line, but I don't know. That's how he says it. <laughs> uh 
During this scene, the camera all of a sudden changes. It is blown out. It looks all grainy. It looks like you're suddenly seeing a film from the 70s. When it goes to wide? When it go, and it goes to wide. The only wide and close or mid. The only time it doesn't is during the extreme close-up. So anytime you're at wide or the mid shot, it's grainy. There's a lot of film grain going on. It's all of a sudden the colors are kind of blown out. And then it goes back into the extreme close-up and then you get this clear picture. Because for the most part, the movie still looks good in terms of the quality of the picture. But then you get that one dinner scene, and it only happens at that one dinner scene. It looks like a film from the 80s all of a sudden. It looks like an old, untaken care of uh, film. When it goes to the wide. Wide and mid, which is most of the shot. So he only goes extreme close up twice during that dinner that scene. That could be film stock. They could have used a different film stock. They could have been used a different uh, lens. But it's if they went to a soup, they went to a really big wide there. They probably needed to put a, a big lens on, a big uh, lens on the camera. But it's even the mid too. It's like both shots. It's just that one scene. I, I just did. It could also be you don't don't forget you're putting this movie's piece together um, to make the DVD or to, what they get to stars. They might have had to use different prints. You know, that's true, so yeah. they might have had to take another. Uh, you know, not every it, this isn't a shot digitally. So usually, what happens is they find one print that is looks great that usually doesn't go out for for what for whatever to be seen and projection rooms and right. stuff like that yeah, well, yeah. and that's what they make the, the dvd copy from the digital copy from but they might have had to splice something in there so that could have been something like that or it's just probably just maybe they just weren't paying attention i mean that's it happens maybe it <laughs> you just, noticed it it, nice it was job. really it was really jarring to me yeah but then again i'm looking for stuff like that so no that's fine that's what that's what we're here for exactly that's so what that we're here for one scene just is like the rest of the movie at least looks and is lit really well and then that that not so much <laughs> i do like the i like the weapons maker I like oh, all, the, I like that scene. I like all the different weapons he's got. Do you like that? Do you like Tom? The time Tom Waits feels like he's made up his dialogue, like he just was just like saying whatever. But but there's a scene where he's at the end where he's talking, and he has written his hand. He's written the dialogue on his fingers because he couldn't remember all the words when he's talking about the franculator and stuff like that. So when he's talking, he's moving his hands around like and all these gestures so that that's so he can read it eh. and. uh the director liked that so he kept it but you know it, i could i at times i'm watching him and i'm just like is he making up words like, i think he's just <laughs> kind of like saying whatever he wants and that's fine i mean i don't i don't mind tom waits uh in this movie or in general so i was okay with it but yeah i'm just here for the ladies <laughs> <laughs> that's right no 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 i don't live here he's picking up old ladies i know i thought he was gonna pick up the uh, junkyard lady Oh, oh, yeah. She was. I think that was her last movie, though, because she passed away after. But um, of, yeah, she was. Yeah, that that a lot of hair on that face. That extreme close-up bothered me too. It's just like, ugh. like it's just, sometimes there's just too much ugly on screen, you know. Like with uh, what's his face? I'm thinking of Spleen with his face and his teeth. And I mean, I get it. You you your your superpowers. You have super flatulence. But what's the excuse with your entire face? It's part of the gypsy curse. <laughs> <laughs> because I smelt it. It would be me who forever dealt it. Oh boy. I kind of like that. I, I Listen, when I good. am in agreement with Artie Lang, who considers this the worst movie he's ever been in, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Artie Lang was in the beginning. He was the leader of the Red Eyes. The Red Eyes, yeah. Who, who, uh, who came. As soon as I saw that, I'm just like, oh boy. Another weird camera thing I noticed was when Ben Stiller gets on his bike after the diner scene and he turns it around okay. to go back oh, to Captain yeah. Amazing. That's a digital mat. It's a, yeah. yeah. Why? Because you were clearly on set. Now you're not. <sighs> yeah, that's a digital mat. Yeah. They, they were like, we need we need him turning around on his bike. We need it. 
Yeah. It just cuts too a lot of sets. There are this, uh, this whole thing is probably shot on sound stages. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'd yeah. rather have that than digital mats all the time. But then you put him yeah. in digitally into this set yeah. that you were already on. Yep. I'm yep. like, just have him turn the motorcycle yeah. around. Well, even the effect the ins- uh, when they introduced the insane asylum in the mm-hmm. beginning, that that effect stunk. Like like in terms of, it's dated. And it was just, um, and you're watching, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is fake. <laughs> That's very Batman Forever, though. Yeah. That's very the Insane Asylum from Batman yeah. Forever. Speaking of the Insane Asylum, and I brought up Lena Olin was in uh, this movie. I, I was going to. Oh, go ahead. I go was ahead. also going to say go ahead, that. Go ahead. No, I'll no, no. You, go, go. I'm just, they bring <laughs> her up and she, they show her and she's talking about how he has been reformed and he's trying to, you know. And then they have her later on where like she's evil with him. She's whatever she is. Like, she, she was clearly trying to break him out. She's his Ooh, Harley Quinn. Right. Yeah. So I don't understand why you need the amazing stuff. Because uh, to me, I'm wondering like, okay, so did she have scenes that were cut out that they cut her out of the movie? It, I'm sitting there going, it makes much more sense if she just gets him out and he goes off on his tear and then he gets amazing and all that stuff. I don't understand why amazing shows up. Why do we need Lance there to come in and to get, to get him to be released? It doesn't make any sense. And it, it you don't need it. And you completely cut out a character because of it. So why is she there? She well, has no sense for to her. Break to break him out there. and her plan failed. I get, there should have been more with her. And there probably was. Right. Because then you get her at the dinner scene and she clearly is not. She's annoyed. With all the villains. Right. She thinks they're all annoying. But you really don't get a clear sense of her relationship with Casanova or why she's doing what she's right. doing. Did he brainwash her? You get none of that. Evil? Was she a supervillain? Right. And if you're going to, if you're going to have a comment on superhero movies and just in general, then that's that should be in there. Because when he shows up, when Lance shows up, and he's reading from the paper, and you, they take a shot of it, it's his grocery list. It's like, well, number one, you don't need that cutaway because you already know he's full of shit. So it doesn't matter what's on the paper. It doesn't make anything. It doesn't make, oh, ha, ha, make the joke any funnier. It's we already know he's full of it. So right. why have that cutaway? And and again, he doesn't even need to be there. She could have just got him out and then you would have, you know what I mean? And then they could have blown it up and then you could have had a. It, it's I don't know. Again, maybe this is we're delving into how I would make the movie and I shouldn't do that. We, we always say we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But. Honestly, it needs that right now. Like, I feel like I need to like this. How about this? Here's a good thing. Okay. Here's a good thing. This is a movie that I'd be okay with getting a remake or a reboot. Oh, absolutely. Because it was a movie that it's a, it's a decent idea, but it needs to be done differently. Mm -hmm. And so this is a movie that I would be okay with if they rebooted. This would be a fun, this would be a fun HBO six part limited limited series and if it did well you could do more series but sure spread it out so you each each character really gets their own kind of full episode mm-hmm. explaining their backstory explaining who they are their kind of style of comedy and then when they come in they can kind of meld it and make sure. it work that's fine i'm okay with that i also don't think this movie it does not help it being pg-13 it does not help it being restricted to a pg-13 formula and also some of the stuff they do to captain amazing's body is not really pg-13 Oh, when they kill him! Oh man, they kill him! Well, I think it, I, I love that part of the movie. Probably because it's very visual effecty kind of yeah. thing. It's it seems phony. That's probably why it wasn't as you know. That's probably why they didn't give it the hard hard rating. But you also have to remember, we are twenty years ago. So I don't think the idea of having an R rated superhero movie was something that they would consider. Oh, no, that's definitely something very right. relatively new. Right. So agreed. If you did that now and it was a movie or a TV show or whatever, and you went for a hard R or TVMA or something like that. Yes. I think that would benefit it as well. And uh, 
I mean, I'm okay with the series idea. I'm kind of sick and tired of everything being a series, but I'm okay with that idea. But I think if any kind of form, you would take this movie. This is the perfect example of a movie that did not. It has a. It was a good premise. It was not executed properly. So you know what? Go ahead and get a mulligan and do it again. That's fine. Movies that are done well and then they redo them again are just money grabs. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not okay with that. But this, okay, go do it again. And 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 uh, because I remember. I think one of the reasons why also I have such a strong feeling against this movie. Yes. Explain is, your hatred. No, I just, <laughs> I remember looking forward to the movie. I remember, oh, I, I liked a lot of the people in the movie. I thought the trailer was funny. I was like, I, I kind of want to see this movie. And I saw this movie in theaters and I was so disappointed that it just kind of turned everything sour. And I know that I, there's a lot of vitriol coming on this side of the mic but it's you burned me and and so maybe that's why partly was the reason and just moving and as we you know revisiting it 20 years later and i've seen it on tv i've I've kept it on when it's on just to kind of watch it to see it um watching it 20 years later i i think now having a reason why like reading about it what went into it just kind of like being able to study analyze it right kind of helps me figure out why I didn't like it. But I just remember being extremely disappointed in this movie uh, when it first came out. You disappointed me, mystery man. <laughs> Again, that's not to say we don't appreciate that this was suggested to us. I'm completely fine with that. I just, you know, unfortunately we didn't like it or I didn't like it. Mike liked it. Butler's a big fan. I, I am not. When I saw it back in 1999, I did really like it. I thought it was really funny. I actually liked Furious and his inability to do anything. Sure. But he's not a lead. Limbo. Yeah. But yes, watching it again, knowing what I know about film, knowing what I do know about story, and just people in general, he's a jerk and he's not well, fun you, to watch. And you're able to verbalize why you don't like it. Just doesn't make sense to you. Right. You know what I mean? Which is which is something that you have to learn by watching movies and just talking exactly. about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, plus, I mean, I really always had a crush on '90s Janine Garofalo. So <laughs> that didn't help when I was uh, twelve. Who didn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now watching it now, it's like there are still some stuff. There's still a lot I like. I like the Tom Waits stuff. I like uh, the Bowler. I like Blue Raja. I like the Shoveler still. I love the stuff, you know, with his, you know, the talk in the kitchen. I don't love the extreme close with the glove. I like how she's like, don't do it. And then the kid's like, hey, daddy, I'm proud of you. Yeah. yeah and like, yeah. that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. The, 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 the direction Claire, undercuts it. Yeah, yeah. The Claire Forlani stuff is so Crammed pointless. Yep, yep. And it's she just seems so bored in this film. Yeah. That it's just like, why is this? She's here? us. We're all bored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the world doesn't make sense, but I still do also like the Captain Amazing stuff. I think Greg Kinnear plays Captain Amazing really, really well. Mm-hmm. I love that cockiness that I'm Superman, but I'm an ass. I love when they ask, are you are you Lance? Oh, yeah. I just take my glasses off and I'm I'm not, I'm not there anymore. And he's like, oh. I just, I'm just joking. I just really wanted to see what your reaction would be. I've always wanted to see Hey, flip the switch. <laughs> moron, moron. <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? Can we just start again? Is there some sort of like reset button on this thing? Oh, you little freak. There's no button for resetting. Flip the switch, lady. Don't stare at me. Lift your left arm. Flip it, you moron. Whoa, you're a moron. You're a moron. Oh, oh, flip the switch. Flip moron. it. That's not cool. Thank you. I will do it. I'll flip do it. Flip the switch, lady. No, no, don't look at me like that. It's this long. Yeah. Wrong switch. That guy here is funny. He's 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 very good. Yes. Now he talk does. about that in Ghost Town. That he's all he's underutilized. I think nowadays. Uh, I I well, I think he's probably one of his. You know, you have the ebb and flow of of your career, and just you know, 
just you know some things just don't hit. I mean, right. he's, doing, he's doing a lot of like smaller films, and that might be just by choice, and that's fine. Yeah. For a while, he was in everything, and he was he was good. He was. Yeah, I mean, I remember him from Talk Soup, and that's where you guess where he got his start. So I think we talked about that in Ghost Town as we well. Did, yeah. yeah. Uh, so did you get the Simpsons reference in the movie? Uh, which one? How dare you? I got it. So when uh, the Blue Raja is in his house. And his mother busts in and he's like, mom, get out of here. He has a Brooklyn accent or regular accent now. Yeah. And then he goes to sit down. And he sits on a fork. He says Clavin when he. Oh, yeah, up. I did yep. notice okay, that. Yeah. Yep, yeah. So there you go. I thought, and then did you, did you get the subtle ref, the Shatner references in this? Okay. So I guess I don't know why. And maybe just thought it was funny. But there's when Stiller tells, does he tell Sphinx? I don't know if he says, don't tell me how to act. It sickens me. Mm-hmm. He says that line. Yeah. So that is when Shatner was recording something. I can't remember what it was, but he kept saying the word sabotage wrong. He kept saying it sabot- sabotage or something like that. He kept saying it wrong. And uh, he says, they they say that you're saying it wrong. He's like, and Shatner, Shatner tells him, it. don't tell me how to act. It sickens me. Like, so they use that. So he has that <laughs> line. And then you actually hear Garofalo saying the line, the saying the whole stuff about sabotage, I believe towards the end when they're walking out after being saved or something okay, like that. Yep. You hear her kind of saying that. So that's that's a reference to just Shatner's something that happened in Shatner's life. Well I know Ben Stiller is a huge Trekkie. Yeah. And I know he's a huge fan of William Shatner. So I think that's probably why he edited it. I'm surprised you never seen him in a Trek in a Star Trek movie or a TV show. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he's ever guest starred as like an alien or something. But yeah, you'd think you would because I know he He's a big, big, big Trekkie. What was the movie where Christian Slater's just in it? Like he just pops in. Remember the movie where? Oh, was, he's in, was he's it in, six or seven? He's was it six? He just comes in and says like, "Hey, you're wanted on." on it's, he's it's in six. Shadow. I think yeah. it's six. He's like that. I I it's assume that was because country, he yeah. was a Star Trek. It's got to be yeah. back then. Yeah, Christian Slater. Oh yeah. yeah. For so sure. I thought that. I thought I was like, "That's Christian Slater," but they didn't say anything. <laughs> but that's cool. No way I got on that tangent, but yeah, no. So you know. I guess I I didn't change your opinion, right? You still, I don't. That's, no, not, that's I mean, not what I was trying. A to lot do. of the stuff that you have issues with the movie, I now have issues with the movie too. The movie okay. was not as good as I remember it, but I also don't think it's quite as bad as you remember. It. I Oof, is it the worst? Really? Is it the worst film we've done on Forgotten Cinema? Maybe. <sighs> I think I think it's the a one movie with that... the most issues. No, I don't, I don't want to say worst film, but the one with the most issues. The one with the most. Stuff that I would think that should be fixed. This wouldn't have been a film that we would choose. I would not have put this on the list. I would have put it on the list because I would I wanted to okay. watch it again and try to remember it. It's fine. But That's then fair. I would have moved it over to Forgotten Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I. But we, it would have been tough for me to find all the likes at that point. I'm being reserved. I think if we ever, if and when we get to Forgotten Fight Club as our as a spinoff, that's more just kind of for entertainment purposes as well. I would be purposely, oh yeah, attacking. This is similar to Sphere. This is like this is like a, a sequel to the Sphere episode we recorded as our <laughs> pilot episode we never released. In terms of something I remembered liking, we watch it and it's just you just start to see all this once you know about film. It's interesting to see like films like this, like once you know about film mm-hmm. and you've learned film and you've studied story, being able to go back and just realize what, like you said, being able to verbalize what's wrong with it, being able to be like, no, that was good. And then watching it and go, it's not that great. And this is why this is why. Right. That and makes that sense. makes it almost worse because it's like these other people also study. That's their job as well. And it's just come on. <laughs> this move, this that's a good point well that you said it feels like a job this movie feels like it's just the paycheck the job we, we signed up for this movie you know what i mean like sometimes when you do a film you're in it for the art you're in it for the story you're telling this movie feels like 
that's just the job. It might not have been that way at first, but yeah. True, I agree. No, I don't think, they, I don't think any of them yeah. start off like that. No, 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 I get but you As there. soon as they got yeah. on, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just for everybody, it was like, just get through it and let's move on kind of thing. So before we, because I didn't, uh, for those who like this kind of uh, this kind of uh, nuggets, um, the jetpack sound effect that uh, for Amazing is actually the same uh, sound effect for the Batmobile from Batman. Nah. I know that's only one time you see that, but also the layer that Heller Heller's workstation when they woe in the, the like the the uh, the exterior like mm-hmm. they go to like the carnival kind of yeah, thing. That's carnival. actually the the exterior set for the Funhouse 1981 horror movie called The Funhouse. So just for those who like that out there, nice. we haven't asked this. I'm going to ask it now. I know we kind of figure out. I think we can kind of figure out what it is. But why would this movie be considered forgotten? Just I think kind of like bullet point it. A, we're talking about something that was made. 21 years ago now right so it wasn't really well received i don't think the comedy kind of holds up nowadays i don't think it's the same kind of comedy people kind of want in films when i was younger it used to always be on tv and i guess it's on stars now but it used to always be on comedy central uh and now i think it's just kind of dated it's spoofing superhero movies that were from when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and that is not superhero movies now so you don't really want it doesn't really speak to the state of super although you can do a spoof of superhero movies now this is not one of them. Mm-hmm. It is a spoof of superhero movies that no longer get created. And I, I don't think that helps. And like we say, the comedy just doesn't hit a lot of the times. And these actors are not, don't have the level of fame that they once had. So why would you, why would you go back to it? Yeah. There's no reason to be like, oh, well, you there's this Ben Stiller movie that just made $300 million. Let's, let's go back and watch some of his older stuff. It's, it's not what's going on right now. Right, right. I hear you. Okay. That works. I agree with that. So we're going to wrap up. So join us next week. We're going to be doing an older movie next week. We're doing a movie, King Creole. It's an Elvis film, which I hope, I hope we can find it. This was actually suggested to us by, um, I'm going to have his Twitter handle here at I G G A R Y V. So I guess I Gary V his tag is G I Gary V. Um, he is a contributor to the pine of comics podcast. We are, where we did, uh, our second one was, um, the Phantom, John Amenta from Panic right. Comics would yep. suggest the Phantom. So yeah, I just read his uh, Twitter handle here. Mostly kids' toys from the 80s, particularly G.I. Joe, some big boy toys too, and comics, contributor to Pint O Comics. So I think he reviews, uh, you know, uh, toys. Toys. Yeah. toys from the 80s, which is fine because I'm a big G.I. Joe fan. Go Joe. Go Joe. I was actually, side note, uh, I was telling my son about Thundercats and he was like, oh, Thundercats, the new one. I go, no, 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 Thundercats, the old one. So then I showed him the opening for the old one. And then I forgot they did another one right at they did. There's two, there's three of them. So there's there's three. Thundercats? Yes, there was one that the old one from the 80s. Yep. And then it must have redid it maybe in the 90s or because it's all it's the same song, but it's all updated. I don't know when they did it. And then the new one, which I'm sorry, but the new one's not for me, apparently. Thunder, thunder, thunder. Oh, God. This is called Thundercats Roar, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's not. No, I'm not. But, but anyways, so next week we're doing King Creole. It's an old 50s movie starring Elvis Presley. I have. A, never heard of and B, never seen. So this will be a good one. And that's why I think we chose it just because we wanted to do something we both had never heard of before. It's good to do an older film, too. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So that join us next week. Mike, uh, where can everybody, I guess, find us if they want to find us anymore? All right. Fields, <laughs> Fields address is. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> not now. Not find us. Find us. Oh, OK. Find our podcast. 
You can uh, find our podcast on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. We have links to all of our older episodes as well as our merch store uh, and links to our social medias. You can find us on these social medias as well. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at the Forgotten Cinema Pod handle. Uh, we are available wherever podcasts can be found. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts Pandora. You can even find us on YouTube now. We have put... All of our shows up on the YouTube well, channel if you'd like. Right now, yeah. Right as we do this, I have the first season. As we're recording this, I have the full first season on YouTube. As when you listen to this, I'm hopefully we'll have the other seasons up there. They, we're they ten a, weeks ahead. They, they take a long time, man. They take a long time. But no, but yeah, we're trying to get them up there so everyone can see it. And it's really great that as soon as I upload it, I get a bot who goes, "Hey, man, nice movie, nice, nice podcast, nice picture, nice movie." It's like, dude, it, it's and it's a different. The guy has the same photo and it's a different handle each time. Like, I'm not going to understand that it's a bot. But anyways, regardless. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it. So join us next week for King Creole. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. And don't forget to check out Paul on the Countdown Movies and TV Review Podcast. My name is Mike Field. Good. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Rage. Rage building. Ugh. Rage growing. Oh, so God. much rage. That's so awful. Yeah, rage subsiding. Just go do that at the museum for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paycheck. <laughs>